All right. And one, two, three, four. Welcome, everybody, to the LifePoint Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason, and I am here today with Bishop Fred Wilson. Hello. Hello, everybody. And we are coming in for our Bible reading reflection. We are on week 18, and we have got some awesome stuff to go over here. So let's get into it. We've got 2 Samuel 23 through Kings 13 and Luke 23 and 24. So let's go ahead and start in Samuel, shall we? All right. All right. So we're getting in here at Samuel 23. Um, We're nearing the end of David's life. Yeah. Well, let me uh, just say this about Samuel. Uh, Scholars, of course, believe that Samuel is one, first and second is one book. And like uh, 1 Samuel is part one, and the key word is disobedience, where 2 Samuel gets into the key word restoration under David. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. In other words, leadership makes a difference. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Uh, And so we have the last words of David here. Right. Family. Uh, It's a family feud. family, Family drama is going on. And God speaks to David. Um... And there's this great passage there when it says, When someone rules justly in fear of the Lord, it is like the morning light and the sun rises, like the rain that makes grass grow. And uh, it ends there with the house of David is blessed, and it will grow and prosper uh, because of the Lord's covenant. But the wicked are thrown out. And... um, it lists there at the end of 23 a list of uh, David's mighty men. Yep. Uh, it has some of their... The water drama. ...victories and exploits there. A uh, whole bunch of them. Well, you have, the, you have the water situation where David was out in battle, and uh, apparently they needed some water. And his mighty men literally put their lives at stake and went behind enemy lines to get water brought it back to david three of them yeah and david poured it out yeah <laughs> he said that was weird he said man i'm not worthy to take this look what these guys did yeah for a drink that's awesome uh then we get into 24 um the numbering this is a weird one i don't totally understand this one it says god's angry with israel and incites david to count the people Mm-hmm. And so David does. He has Joab do it. Joab kind of tries to talk him out of it. Uh, he doesn't really want to do it, but David insists on doing it. And then almost as soon as he does it, he regrets it. Yeah. And his conscience bothers him. Well, I think uh, I think you have to kind of dig in here a little bit, uh, go beyond just the word numbering. Numbering in itself was, I don't think, was the issue. Hmm. Even we have the book of Numbers. Yeah. But there, apparently, even the, the prophet picked up on it. There was an attitude thing. Yeah. It was like a self-pride thing. I'm going to number my people and look at me, who I am, look at who we are, rather than who God is with us. Right. 
So there there had to be something on beyond just, just you know, num- numbering is a daily deal for yeah. humanity. Right. So and so and it appears it appears and here you got this punishment of this pestilence and to me it appears that Israel kind of got along with David look who we are hmm. why would God put a put a judge or allow a judgment such as this on a on a people if there hmm. wasn't a cause yeah, it's it's interesting. A, a prophet Gad comes to David, mm-hmm. and through the Lord gives David three options. He could have three years of famine. Mm-hmm. He could flee for three months from his enemies, or for three days of pestilence. And so he chooses. Really, he doesn't choose. He just says, "Don't let me be under my enemies." Right. Basically, so wow. the pestilence come, and seventy thousand men die. Whoa. That's amazing. And it's amazing at the end of the the chapter here, David literally sees the angel, uh, has an encounter with the angel. The angels, it says, on the threshing floor, which is of uh, a, a person there, uh, Aruna, I believe his name is, the Jebusite, and um, I can't, let's see. God calls the angel off. He he could have even gone further. He was stretching mm-hmm. his hand out to go even further, and God tells him to stop. And uh, David sees the angel. He he confesses his sin. He asks for mercy. God tells him to buy this land from the guy where the angel is on the threshing floor. It's pretty mm-hmm. wild. He had, literally seeing him there. And uh, so he buys it. There's a whole story how he gets it. And then he builds an altar and makes yeah. sacrifices to the Lord. And the plague stops. Yeah. Well, there's a little, there's a real lesson here for all of us. And it's, other words, uh, David got in the attitude of bragging on himself. And so this principle carries right on through Scripture, even in the New Testament several times. Even like in Second Corinthians ten seventeen, the Apostle Paul said, "Let him who boasts boast in the Lord." And so, uh, giving God credit, you know, as Christians, we give God credit for any accomplishments or successes that we might have. I would just remind myself. Just uh, yesterday, I was uh, had a situation where I was sharing with an individual. And uh, I was telling him about some of my failures, but my successes. And I was reminded very much so to uh, tell him, hey, it's all because of the Lord's help. And in other words, it was like I was witnessing to him about the goodness of God to help Mm. your life. Yeah, that's awesome. And so that's, that's the end of Samuel there. And then we get into Kings, the book of Kings. Book of Kings. First Kings. So we start off here. David is older now. It says advanced in years. It, it tells the story how he can't get warm. They're putting blankets on him. They find yeah. the most beautiful woman in the land to, to lay, uh, lay with him, and he still can't get warm. So David is uh, having some trouble there. Um. David has a son, Adonijah. Adonijah. 
And uh, I think because David is getting older here, Donnie Jaw wants to exalt himself. And he right. says, I'll be king. Uh, he is Absalom's brother, born after him. Um, well, this son actually went political. He, he did. He went out and campaigned. Yep, he goes behind his back, goes and gets uh, different people to join his campaign. Joab is one of them, actually. Uh, some of the priests and some people, and they just go and do it. And they have a whole sort of uh, uh, procession, celebration, sacrifice there where he announces that he's going to be king. And they make sure, it makes note here, that they don't invite Nathan uh, to this celebration, or Solomon, curiously, or David, for that matter. Right, They're not right. even telling David, so <laughs> something's going on. Something was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and so uh, Nathan, the prophet, he goes, and with Bathsheba, they go and talk to David, and they tell him what's going on, and um, that he had promised the throne actually to Solomon, and David uh, agrees, and so David does his own political maneuvers here, and he gets Nathan and some other of the priests, and they go and anoint Solomon king. You're right. And they have a big party. They have a big procession. Big party. And yeah. he comes in uh, like a royal parade into Jerusalem. And Adonijah and his cohorts hear what's going on. And now they get scared. And they freak out. And uh, it sounds like Jerusalem, they've been, they're going with Solomon mm -hmm. at this point. And they, they can see what's happening. Um. And this uh, this was not only a political kingship issue, this was a parental issue. Yeah. Father-son, family type right. of thing, yeah. And so we get into chapter 2 here. David is getting older. He's getting closer to death, and he is giving a charge to Solomon. Right. It's really, really uh, beautiful here. Yeah. Uh, Be strong in the Lord, follow after God and his ways. Uh if if he does if he follows the lord uh he will lack nothing mm, wow he'll, he'll be prosperous in all his ways and what's interesting then david goes into <laughs> to uh, uh i don't know what you call it, revenge he talks uh, i don't know if it's revenge solomon. or justice no david's talking to solomon okay. after after he tells him the good things about following god he says don't forget what joab did uh, killing those other two guys, uh, Abner and Manasseh, he hasn't forgotten. Um, he basically says, don't let him die in peace. Um, so there was corruption was being claimed out. Yeah, and he's, he tells them who to be loyal to, basically, and who not to. Uh, he also says there's uh, a group of people who were kind to him when he was running from Absalom. He says, be loyal to them. They were good to me. He calls out uh, Shemi, the one who cursed him on the road. Uh, 
during the same situation with Absalom, and uh, he basically tells Solomon to kill him, but be wise when he's doing it because David had promised not to kill him. Mm-hmm. So they have to have some kind of workaround to kill, <laughs> to kill him <laughs> without breaking their promise not to kill him. Wow. Uh, which these guys kind of seem to do that quite often. Um, and so after this, uh, David dies. He's buried mm-hmm. in the city of David, and now Solomon is king. Yeah. Uh, and then Adonijah goes to Bathsheba, and he uses her to go to Solomon, and he's asking for this... to for Solomon to give this lady to be his wife. And I think there was some more political maneuvering going on here because this sets off a whole chain of events for Solomon uh, that he sees these guys are still plotting and scheming and they're going to be a problem. Hmm. So it basically Solomon goes into cleaning house and it, and it literally says, this is how he established his throne. Mm-hmm. It, it became strong because he had to get rid of these guys. Yeah. They were going to keep... So so one after another, he deals with these situations. So he has, first of all, a, a, a Donijah killed. Um, he has the priest who, uh, Abiathar, who had joined Adonijah in his coup, uh, uh, excommunicated. Mm-hmm. He takes his priesthood away from him. Uh, then he goes after Joab because Joab had also joined those guys and they chase Joab down and he tries to hide in the tent of the Lord and eventually Solomon just gets to him and has him killed right there. Uh, he, he sets up, I was talking about Shimei, the one guy who had cursed David who he wants him to kill but he has to be smart about it. He sets up a thing where he has him build a house and he promises to stay within certain boundary. Hmm. He can live if he stays in this boundary, but if he leaves this boundary, he's going to get killed. Wow. And Shimmy agrees to it. And uh, I, let's see, three years later, hmm. Shimmy leaves. Some of his servants had run away and he goes to get them and le- crosses the boundary. Solomon's been waiting for three years. As soon as he does, he has him killed because wow. he that he could do it without breaking his promise because it was his fault. And so, through these actions, Solomon's throne was solidified. And so now we get into uh, chapter three. Solomon, yeah, well, we got um, basically chapter three through twelve. Um, is you know the building of the temple, which is an incredible yeah thing. Uh, the incredible I, took seven years to build the temple. That was interesting too. He marries Pharaoh's daughter. Hmm. I mean, that's a big. That must have been um, part of the the power and peace he had through 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 that marriage. I think as well. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just before getting into the temple. Uh, Solomon had the dream, right? Yeah. And uh, God basically in the dream said, I'll just ask what you want. And rather than asking for materialistic blessings, he said, Lord, just give me wisdom. I just, this is too much. Yeah. This, <laughs> this thing of being king. Yeah. 
is too much for me. I got to have your help. I yeah. got to have your wisdom. Yeah. And so getting into the building of the temple, incredible, incredible. Took seven years to build the temple and the incredible amount of uh, of uh, backing and finances mm. and gold and silver. Yeah. And while it took seven years to build the temple, it took 13 years for Solomon to build his, to build his own house. Right. Now, I'm going to say something here about the house of God and the temple. House of God. We can't even comprehend how elaborate this was. Yeah. But it was God's design. I mean, God said he told every facet of it to be done. How much gold, how this, that, all, the whole thing. Hmm. And so what I want to say here is God is into his house. God is into his house. And sometimes people may get the idea, well, you know, churches shouldn't put all this money into, into their church buildings and so forth. No, God's into his house. Mm. And so what I've discovered down through the years that the house of God uh, basically has to do with the cultural economic level of the people. Mm. As you go around the world, you know, sure. America has, even America has different uh, types of uh, buildings and so mm -hmm. forth. And so as long as it's legal and people are not being taken advantage of and they, yeah. they volunteer their support. But a certain sense of honor, honor to it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the house of the house of God is it's God's. It's God's house. It's not just another building. Hmm. It's, it's a special place of gathering for God's people. So God is into his house. Hmm. Awesome. Um, a couple couple things I just want to mention here. Um Let's see. So, so Solomon has this dream. Uh, God says, "Ask whatever uh, you want." What's interesting there too, right before that, it says something about how he followed the Lord, but he was still giving sacrifices at shrines, certain things. Mm. Um, he was. <laughs> he was. They were still kind of mixing things at that point a little uh -huh. bit. Um, reminds, that, reminds me of the saying, you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. <laughs> they did. They did. It was really strange. Um, so God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you what you didn't ask for, mm. which was prosperity and fame. And fame, yeah. And uh, boy, does he get it. And he says, if you walk in my ways, I'll give you long life as well. And of course, there's this famous... A story about the two women who come to him, the two prostitutes. Right. They've got a baby. Uh, one lady's lying, trying to steal the other lady's babies because her baby died. And mm. Solomon says, "Cut it in half." And the he, uh, through his wisdom, he's able to find out exactly who the the real mother is. Uh, everyone is is uh, in all of his wisdom. Um, and it's interesting, it's, it's Judah and Israel, who were fighting, uh, they're at peace. It says mm. they're eating and drinking, and they're happy under Solomon's rule. Now, this is after uh, just endless com calamity and war, it seems like, with these people. Mm. They finally got to a place where um, they have some peace. And um, he becomes super famous it says he he spoke three thousand proverbs wow a thousand and five songs 
had knowledge of trees and nature and animals and birds and fish and people from all over the world came to see him. Um, it gets it does a lot of detail about what they built. Uh, he hires this guy Harem, king of Tyre. Um, he makes a treaty with him. He supplies all the trees. Uh, these are massive undertakings. It is. Massive. Incredible. Um, uh, he builds a temple. Uh, it says in the fourth year of his rule, the temple's 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, 45 feet high. Um, has uh, cedar. Uh, the inner sanctuary, the altar is covered in pure gold, 15 feet high, cherubs. Uh, it's incredible. It is. Incredible uh, architecture, art. I mean, it's of the highest. They're, they're, going, they're going for it here. Yeah. As, as uh, the nicest they could possibly build, which is pretty cool to see. <laughs> Um, his own house, like you said, it took him 13 years for that one. Uh, it gets into, uh, he, he built his wife a palace too, Pharaoh's daughter. Um, it goes through lots of details, intricate details of what they had, the carvings on the walls. It mm. had creatures and lions and cherubim and palm trees and... Uh, all kinds of of uh, beautiful things. They made all the tools and the equipment for the temple out of polished bronze. Uh, amazing stuff. And then it, finally he brings the ark in when everything's right. done. The dedication. They have a huge assembly. The priests bring in the mm -hmm. ark, and they... It says countless sacrifices. They literally lost count of how many sacrifices they were doing for this... A particular uh, sacrifice and um, the glory of God it says was too heavy to stand yeah, the cloud too the, heavy to even minister call that the Shekinah glory it shows up presence the presence presence filled the house and Solomon blesses the assembly uh, well you know let me say, say a word here about this glory cloud uh, I think if we just take this as a one-time event, then we're going to miss it. I mean, I believe even in the New Covenant and in the church today, there is a definite presence in the house of God. Uh, sometimes it's um, maybe just like, wow, this kind of different here. But uh, I think we should invite, uh, and we do, uh, invite God's presence in his house. And when people come into the house of God, it's different. It's different, the presence of God. And that can happen in degrees. I mean, you know, so uh, presence. So, so Solomon starts preaching, right? He does. He blesses the people. He says a prayer. He asks God to listen to them. It's a beautiful prayer. Keep them in your eyes. Forgive them when they mess up. Be gracious toward them. Um hear them when there's famine even foreigners when they right. come and pray right lord listen to them too uh it's a really beautiful blessing um it says he was kneeling down uh with his hands outstretched to heaven 
and when he rises he gives a benediction that good be would be with them solemn solomon then offers sacrifices of 22,000 oxen wow 120,000 <laughs> sheep come on and they have a feast for 7 days not uh, just them party. the feast goes through everywhere as far as it could reach for seven days Whoa. all these sacrifices my, my, my. they're sending they're sending food and it's a a national uh uh celebration really every it says everyone went home after seven days joyful and glad well uh, i read here the goodness of god i read here where one commentary said that solomon's personal offering was let's see here if I can get this figured out here nine billion five hundred and fifty million equal dollars. Oh yeah. And uh, the commentary that I read the book was written like fifty years ago. So wow. yeah. So that could Even be more. that could be fifty billion dollars right there. Now, point this out too. It's interesting as I was reading this, I picked up on Solomon. He he became like an evangelist. Hmm. Okay, why would I say that? Here's what he said in eight, uh, 1 Kings 8.60, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. Hmm. Global evangelism, yeah. man. And he was. They were famous. <laughs> they were famous. Um, chapter 9, uh, God appears to Solomon. Yeah, second time. After he's finished, and he says um, he's heard his prayers and he accepts and he's going to come and live there. And he says, if you don't turn away, I'm, I'll be with you. But if you do. But if. But if. But, oh if, but if. Man, it's always there. Um, conditional. Very conditional. It really is. Um, if, if you do turn away, you're going to be nothing but an example of basically what not to do. <laughs> and you'll be That's destroyed. That's why we read the Old Testament. We learn. <laughs> you'll be totally destroyed if you turn away. But if you don't, you will be prosperous in what you do. Hmm. Amazing. Um, also interesting, at the end of that there, it says Solomon made slaves of, of all the people's because it was this whole big deal about driving these other people groups out when Israel first came in. They mm -hmm. just couldn't get it done. Right. And he he doesn't drive them out, but he does. They do conquer them, it seems like. Mm. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Pizzarites, the Jebusites, uh, he makes them his slaves. Um, three times a year, Solomon goes and offers sacrifices at the uh, temple, uh, we get into chapter 10. The Queen of Sheba the comes. Queen of Sheba. To uh, see Solomon and his fame is spread. She heard about him, didn't she? Yeah. She heard about him. She said, no, there's no way. And she comes with questions for him. He opened the door to her, didn't he? And he answers her questions. Uh, it says, so well, it takes her breath away. And she uh, she is overwhelmed. She says his wisdom and prosperity surpass his oh, legend and fame. All of his servants and his military. The stories about him couldn't. Uh, uh, the the reality of it was even more than the stories. Wow. Amazing there. Uh, she gives him gifts, uh, precious stones and spices and gold. Um, there are all kinds of people who are 
are coming and visiting and bringing him gifts as well. Uh, it's lists long list of Solomon's wealth, different things he has. Um, it's pretty amazing. Um, very prosperous. It's sort of over emphasizing mm -hmm. uh, the prosperity going on here with this guy. All right. So then we get into the downfall. Yep. Oh, uh, chapter 11, it starts yeah. up there. He had uh, love for many foreign wives. Massive, massive wealth. First step, yep. downfall, massive wealth, gold, silver. And it's interesting, it specifically uh, points out the verse where God was telling them not to do this. Yes. So this was still a command to them not to intermarry, yeah. which he knew. Yeah. Basically saying he knew Well, there, uh, there's a specific scripture on this. Uh, somebody, sometimes we say, well, why in the world would God allow him to do that? Well, free will, number one. But Deuteronomy 17 and 17 says, The king shall not take many wives mm. or accumulate massive wealth for themselves. Wow. In other words, when they did that, they became... Uh, they became uh, not only disobedient, but obligated to the other nations. Hmm. It's like the other nations had a foothold in there. Yeah, well, that's exact. That's what it says with these wives. If you take them as wives, they're going to influence you to yeah. go to these. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Well, they turn, they turn Solomon's heart, you know, spiritually even. Yeah, and it says that, yeah, they... They, uh, when Solomon got old, his wives turned away his heart to other gods. He made high places and altars for other gods, and specifically their name, Shemosh of Moab, Moloch mm -hmm. of the Ammonites, and uh, he made these places and temples so his wives could sacrifice to their gods. And um, God is angry with Solomon for this and he tells him because of what he's done uh, he's going to tear the kingdom apart right but but for the sake of David he's not going to do it while he's well, alive incredible it's incredible and he's and for, for the, the sake of David you know. he's going to keep part of it yeah. going that's that the Vatican covenant God it's, made yeah, that he would God will always be you know uh, Israel would be God's chosen people yeah. And, you know, basically kind of like a summary statement, I would say, about Solomon's downfall. It's divine order or disorder. Mm. Go with God. Divine order, blessing, or disorder, confusion, missing out yeah. on the real stuff. And so uh, there are adversaries who raise up against Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite, um, this guy has a grudge from uh, when David and Joab killed all the males of Edom. This guy's an Edomite. He had escaped and lived in Egypt, uh, found favor with Pharaoh, um, but he's going to return and cause problems. Mm. Another adversary that raises up is... right. Let's see, Rex, Rexon, did I say that right? So Solomon was going downhill. It's another, this guy was a kind of a, a leader of a marauding band. 
uh, these guys were sort of uh, causing him problems, probably stealing his stuff. And a big one here is Jeroboam. Uh, He raises up against Solomon. Now, this guy, uh, he was coming up in the ranks to be a manager of the labor force there. And a prophet comes to him and basically prophesies what's going to happen. That Solomon has worshipped these other gods, so God is going to tear the kingdom up. And that Jeroboam is going to be one that is raised up. When this happens. So actually Solomon's going to kill him. So he has to leave. He mm. runs away. And it's kind of interesting. Sometimes these guys die. It's not. There's not a lot of fanfare. Then mm. it just says, right. and Solomon dies. Yeah. And next. Yeah. <laughs> next next up. Well, uh, the, uh, He reigned for 40 years. And it's, he gets off the scene. But you know the good thing. God, let me say it like this. Solomon was wise became unwise and then became wise again at mm. the end. Mm. Uh, and later on, you're going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And Solomon just tells of all. He said, man, I had it all. I did it all. Right. But it wasn't worth it. Yeah. He said, in fact, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen says, Solomon said, let us consider the whole matter of life. Reverence God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Wow. And wow. then it goes off to say, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or bad. Wow. So well, I think what we're saying, it pays yeah. <laughs> presently to serve God and the eternal perspective. Yeah. Um, we get into chapter 12 here. It's kind of uh, the story of how— um, The kings, right? Yeah, there's there's a switch. Uh, Rohoboam, Rohoboam, not Jeroboam. Rohoboam is Solomon's son. After Solomon dies, he becomes king, and the people are disgruntled. They're mad. I mean, he must have had him like we said this major workforce going on. Uh, Solomon was working them uh, really hard to build these extravagant. Uh, buildings and whatnot, and they're wanting a break here. And what's what's really interesting about this Roboam, he goes to the elders and asks them for advice. He had just become king. And they tell him, back off on it. Give him a break. Hmm. And, the, and what's interesting, it says, if you give him a break here, they'll serve you forever. And and then it says he goes to his friends who he grew up with, and they tell him the exact opposite. Go even harder on him. And he listens to them, and they immediately revolt and leave. And um, he comes down hard on them. He even tries to send a, a new, even harder taskmaster to get them together, and they stone him. And so he actually flees. Mm. Uh, he becomes sort of a, it's sort of getting divided again, exactly what God said. He becomes king of Judah. Uh, but then Rohoboam, who was, uh, sort of, uh, he comes back. He was going to be like a manager of, of the, the workforce. So Mm -hmm. I think he's kind of a man of the people kind of deal. Okay. They lift him up and he becomes their king. 
And so uh, they're actually about to go to war. Let's see. Are we there yet? Yeah. They're going to go to war. Again, Judah and Israel. Again. And God stops it. Mm-hmm. Comes in and and uh, I believe... Um, so this kind of begins the roller coaster. Right? Yeah, it's through it's through a prophet. A prophet comes and tells them not to because they're family. You guys are relatives, and you're about to kill each other again. And they actually stop. Uh, but Jeroboam uh, again quickly goes astray. He's afraid because the people are worshiping at the temple that they will be connected mm. to David because it's his dynasty that made the temple. So he builds these golden calves and he immediately leads the people into worshiping other people other gods and so they do and uh they're going to pay for it and so um let's see jeroboam there's a whole deal where he is confronted by a prophet they're making um sacrifices to these other gods and the prophet comes and basically tells them uh that uh it's coming to an end the the altars are going to be destroyed as well as him the the prophets and priests that he's created and so it kind of ends here we're at the end of 13 um uh it's a long story about that prophet but um basically it says uh, Jeroboam continues to do evil to God in the sight of God, and God is going to cut him off the face of the earth. Mm. That's where we leave off there. So these guys kind of come up and go quickly. Um, they seem to do good for a second, and then and then uh, fall off pretty pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And so that is the end of our Old Testament reading of Kings. And so let's jump over to Luke. We've just got two chapters this week. Two, three, out. 23, 24. And let's see, 23. Pilate. Yeah. Where uh, they brought Jesus before Pilate. Uh, they're trying to accuse him of leading people not to pay taxes. Right. Which we know isn't true. Um, it sounds like Pilate doesn't really want anything to do with him right yeah he passed Uh, the buck he's trying to get this away from him and uh he finds no guilt in him he finds out he's from galilee so he sends him over to herod Herod. that's his jurisdiction herod's glad to see jesus because he's been heard of his fame wanting to ask him questions um it sounds like he he's asking him all kinds of questions and jesus is not answering He's not playing along, basically. And um, it says he insults him. They mock him. They dress him up in uh, nice clothing. And and, and, uh, they send him back. I think it's interesting here when Jesus answers and when he doesn't. I think he knew their heart. He He was playing games. Right. And uh, he knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. He He wasn't really listening. Um. So you have uh, the cry out, crucify Jesus and give us Barabbas. Yep. And you have the march to go to the hill. And uh, 
Simon is assigned to carry the cross after Jesus fell beneath the cross. The crucifixion, two thieves, one respected Jesus and the other one did not. Yeah. And uh, I really like this here, which says, um, uh, remember me, Jesus. Mm. Remember me, Jesus. Yeah. And so you have, uh, you have the crucifixion, and then Luke 24, the resurrection, and both of them, both of them, as I was reading this, this just that word, that word that the thief said really jumped out to me. Remember, remember me. Hmm. Remember me. And it's, I'm not, I'm not get, I'm not trying to get into the mind of Jesus on the mm -hmm. cross, but he said, like, like that's what I'm doing. I'm oh, wow. That's what I'm doing. Right. I am remembering right. you. And so the crucifixion, the resurrection, Jesus remembered us. Now yeah. remember communion, the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. But remember, I'm remembering you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're remembering how he remembered us. <laughs> we, 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 we were on his mind. We were yeah. on his heart. There's a song, Willie Nelson's got, he's always, always. on my mind. Yeah, right. I don't know why I thought about that. That's right. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so then we get, um, he dies. Uh, Joseph. Joseph, uh, yeah. Arimathea comes. Arimathea. And he gets the body, wraps him in linen, and puts him in a tomb. Um 24 starts out, but on the first day of the week, they went to see Jesus' body, and the stone was rolled away. Uh, while they're still standing there, uh, two men in dazzling clothes appear, and they say, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Um, remember what you were told. And this is Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, who were there. They were going to, I guess, some sort of ritual cleaning of the body of some sort. Why they were going in the first place. With spices, it said. Uh, so they go and tell the disciples, but the disciples do not believe them, really. Except for Peter. He jumps up and runs. Yeah, runs away. He runs and uh, goes to see the the tomb, and all he finds is the clothes. Amazing, and and I love this story. It's the the two men on the road. Uh, it's two disciples. They're walking along, and uh, Jesus comes up to him, hangs out with them. But either he looked different, or something he did something to them where they couldn't tell it was him. Wow. And um, so it's kept them from seeing who it was. And so he said, hey, what are you talking about? And this, they basically tell him the whole story of what happened, what just well, happened that, to him. That's something. Like, hey, didn't you hear? Well. Jesus, Jesus was crucified. Like, oh, really? Uh, they're telling Jesus what happened. Um, and Jesus starts interpreting the scriptures to him. Oh, there you go. The word. The word. Um, from Moses and the prophets, 
pointing out uh, what had to happen and what's going to happen. And I love it that he, Jesus was going to keep on going, and they invite him for dinner. I don't think he was going to, and they sort of insist, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be there for dinner. And so while they're there, he takes the bread and he's breaking it, which is a part of our communion. He's blessing it. And then it says, right then, their eyes are open, and they recognize him, and then he disappears. He vanishes right in front of their eyes. Mm. <laughs> and uh, wow, my, my, my. amazing. I, I just, I wish I could see that scene, how that, mm. you know, did he give him a, give him a wink? Before he, before he disappeared, <laughs> it, was, it was me the whole time. Um, so they are obviously excited. They run and tell the others, and I love this too. In the middle of them telling them what happened, all of a sudden Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is there with them. He shows up. <laughs> hey guys, what are you? What are you all excited about? He's right there with oh, them. Oh wow! And um, they are freaked out. They think they've seen a ghost, and he has them uh, look at his hands and feet, touch him, that he's real, and then to even more seal the deal, he asks for some food, asks for a fish. He mm, has a, a glorified a, body. Hey, you got anything to eat? Wow. Um, and so he has some fish, and he uh, sits and speaks with them about the scriptures. Says opens their minds to understand the scriptures. Mm. Um, I thought that was amazing. Um, it's sort of it's it's like it's like when those guys saw Jesus. I feel like there's something there with every person where it's right in front of you wow. the whole time, and he enlightens what was there. The same thing's happening here with the scriptures, yeah. where it's they've been seeing these scriptures all along. Wow! And suddenly he brings it to life, and they can see it. Mm. Um, let's see here. And so he's explaining, uh, it was written that the Christ should suffer and rise again, and repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Um, and, then it, and then he talks about, I'm sending the promise of the Father, stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, he basically says, don't go out there and try to... Do don't, my will. With, don't do it without the power. Without the Holy Spirit. I think that's... That baptism, Acts 2. Uh, really important. Um, you're going to you're gonna need some extra <laughs> power there. Uh, don't, don't leave home without it. Um, he leads them out, and uh, they're walking outside of town, sounds like. And uh, he uh, he blesses them, and while he's blessing them, he gets carried up. He gets carried up into heaven. It says they worship and return to Jerusalem with great joy in the temple, continually blessing God. And that's where we end. And that's the same Jesus. Incredible. Come again. And so that was our reading. That was Luke 23 and 24. And Second Samuel 23 to the end and Kings... One through thirteen. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Great stuff wow. there.
Thank you, Bishop, for being Thank with you. us my today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Always my love my when pleasure. you join us and we well, get the, to uh, the incredible depth of the Word of God. You know, you can study it and study it and study it and still, you know, read it and read it, and but still, it's just inexhaustible. Yeah, right? that's it. It's like, uh, like I was saying, like that. Uh, where it, I know there's more. It can be enlightened. Wow. It's. I've been seeing it. You read it, and then you see it with different eyes. Sometimes awesome. it comes enlightened. Good job. Beautiful. Wonderful. We'll see you all next week. Uh, We'll be on week 19. So stay tuned. Tune in. And follow us along as we read through the Bible this year. Have a great week, everyone. Hello.